0: Well, greetings, fellow geeks, and welcome to another episode of Geek Broadcast, a podcast where three broads discuss anything and everything geeky. I am your host, Lauren Romo, and with me as always on this geeky journey are two of my closest friends. Christina, what's going on? Hey, good afternoon, evening, night. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever time it is. <laughs> Katie, what's going on, my friend?
1: Good morning.
0: That's for <laughs> everyone who's listening to us in the morning. <laughs> well done. Well done, you two. How you guys doing? You guys doing okay? Another fun week of Marvel going on. A lot of news this week. So it's been a really geeky week. So it's been a lot of fun. Been a lot of fun. What do you guys, what do you guys been up to?
2: I work a lot and I'm kind of excited about that Loki trailer. And by kind of excited, I mean extremely excited about the Loki trailer.
0: Yes, we'll, yes 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 we'll have to talk about that down the road but uh-huh. yeah uh yeah that was a great trailer like i'm excited for that show 100 cannot wait what about you katie
1: i saw godzilla vs kong which is great we had a skull island reference in uh in this week's episode too which made me laugh because yes, <laughs> I, yes.
2: I had just yes. watched godzilla i had just watched it kong. too
1: yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. I mean, it had it had the the monsters. the Not the, not so much the monster love that I was looking for, but
2: you
0: know, it, was, it was still good. It did what it's supposed
1: to do, right? <laughs> Pretty That's much. right. Monsters beating the crap out of each other. I love it. Can't go wrong with that.
0: Okay, so we know, guys, why you're out here. This is Winter Soldier, Episode 3. Uh, we're going to talk about it. A lot of kind of fun stuff happened within this episode. So... You know, I'll start it off and then we'll kind of go over all thoughts. Uh, John Walker still a punk. Uh, I'm OK with that. And he still sucks. So <laughs> that's enough John Walker talk for me today. But I thought it was very interesting how the he is getting no respect from anybody. He, you know, obviously we know Steve Rogers could speak German. He can't. John Walker has to have a translator, his buddy. So I just thought that was kind of all interesting. He got that guy spit in his face, and that guy totally did not care about him. So I was okay with it. John Walker still sucks, but he's all right. I think uh, that's how he's supposed to be in the show. So uh, that was some pretty good stuff overall. Zemo was great. We'll obviously dive into him a little bit deeper as we talk about him. Uh, Sharon Carter's back, which was amazing. I love her. I love the more in depth we got with her character. Again, we'll talk about her. Uh, in a little bit, a little more Carly, a little more Flag Smasher shenanigans happen. So that is interesting. Um, obviously, Sam and Bucky, we got to love the pair. They're doing great. I mean, obviously, Sebastian Stan, Anthony Mackie are killing it every week with these two characters. So uh, love that. And then spoilers. Wakanda is in the fold mofos and that's a big deal (laughs) that's a huge deal in my book so yeah just a lot of it was a good episode a lot of Good stuff came out of it, uh, a lot of fun scenes, a um, lot of connections from the previous episode. So a lot was happening, a lot was going on. Uh, Christina, I will have you kick it off with your overall thoughts. What did you think of the show? Anything that pops into your mind as far as, you know, you caught something and maybe you're like, oh, I didn't I didn't put those two and two together or anything? Um, that opening
2: PSA was kind of weird. I thought that was strange. I didn't really see where it tied in other than when later in the episode with Carly a little bit but I must have missed something because I was kind of like I don't really need this I'll
1: tell you when I saw that PSA I'll tell you Christina I remembered back there were some posters in the background at the bank in the police station Um, a couple of places we saw in the first two episodes that had that restore um, rebuild shoot I don't remember the third R. (laughs) <laughs> they had the, thir- the 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 that little slogan that they said on the PSA in there um, which you know that it, it kind of ties back into the whole symbolism and and people as symbols and and nationalism as symbols and all of that but we'll get into that later so yeah i i recognized it and it was it was an interesting way to open
2: the episode definitely though yeah i felt like i didn't need that to open the episode i don't know why i felt like i wanted some action to open the episode right away i think we've started to come to expect that um yeah i still hate john walker um, when he walked in and he said, don't let him delete shredder breathe. And I was like, you're such a loser. Um, and then when the spit happened and he was like, do you know who I am? And no one cares. Like, when is he going to realize that no one respects him and no one cares who he is? Um, and his friend Lamar is clearly the brains of this operation. I think that that's quite clear from the beginning. You've got the wannabe golden boy, and then you have the brains of the operation, and I don't think it's going to work out well for, for Lamar. I think that John gets him in some trouble, and they have some problems. But I thought overall... The episode was ups and downs for me um there was a lot of things that weren't really necessary but there was also some good action so interested to see what comes next
0: yeah i think it it's setting up for these last three i think to be really huge i think there's a lot of things that are now in play and again we'll talk about wakanda but th- we know they're in play now i mean just a lot of things in motion zemo and kind of his whole like what is you know what's his what's his deal what's he want i mean we you think you know but obviously he's a smart guy so i think there's more than you know what he is portraying on you know for himself there's a lot more to like what what he his end game is so to speak so katie what about you your overall thoughts on this episode and anything that kind of got your attention
1: Yeah. I'm with Christina. There was there, this was a very up and down episode for me too. It was just kind of, it was neat again to see the, you know, the way things tied in lots of exposition, lots of explaining back things, um, which was cool. And then some callbacks of course, to other, other areas of the universe, But yeah, you know, the the GRC, the Global Repatriation Council, which is the PSA we saw at the beginning, um, you know, and after that PSA is over, it cuts to immediately – a black van with GRC and police on painted on the side. Uh, So the GRC is basically team America world police, right? They're out there trying to clean up everybody's act, you know, which is what uh, we're kind of (laughs) scared of, of that happening. Instead of him being, Captain America, he's Captain World Police, and that's not exactly what we need from John Walker. Um, it's not the symbol. That he needs to be, for the world, uh, for America, for anybody, really. I did love uh, Chicken Livers. Guy got a good got a good burn on him. He said, "Don't you know who I am?" And he goes, "Yes, I do, and I don't care." I, I love, love that. that so much. That <laughs> was so great. <laughs> and then Lamar too. I'm with you, Lauren. That he's gonna he's gonna take the fall for something. He's gonna get he's gonna get in trouble. He's gonna get killed. Something um, because of. And it's going to be John Walker's fault. Uh, even in the, at the end of this episode, you know, John Walker was like, oh, we didn't get him. He was so upset. He was so like frustrated and angry. And and Lamar was like, she's a little girl and she's stealing medicine to help make people better. Like, it's not that big of a deal, my guy. Like, we have other problems, but he's so focused on, on trying to get her um, that that's going to become a problem yes she's got a little bit more nefarious intent we find out later but yeah his his arrogance and his focus is going to really become a problem and i think lamar is going to suffer from it for
0: sure yeah i think it's going to be interesting to see how those two because right now it is john walker trying to be mr america and not really be the symbol that Steve Rogers was for Captain America. He's not. He's not and I think he's maybe having a hard time dealing with that. Like I don't think he I think it's I think it's clear That he wanted the job because he wanted to do, quote unquote, good, right? I mean, he did. He's a soldier. This is what he wants to do. But I don't think he wants all the glitz and glamour that come with being, quote unquote, Captain America. You know, he doesn't want to be the icon, this this figure that people can look to. That's not him. I don't think that will be him. And I think he's getting PO'd about it, especially now that people are like, I don't respect you at all. I don't care if you're Captain America, Captain Captain World, like Katie said. They don't care. They don't care. The world has been changed so much now since the snapback that they just want to get back to some type of normalcy, which plays into like, like you said, Katie, what he says, what Lamar says to John about, you know, Carly, it, her ideological way is something that is bringing people together because they see this group trying to do good for the people that feel that they are not being looked out for by the GRC. You know, in the three R's are reset, restore, rebuild. So, you know that's like the motto for GRC and obviously the flag smashers don't feel like that's what's going on. So yeah, I, it's very interesting dynamic. It's going to be very interesting to see how John and Lamar play out the rest of the season, because again, we know in the end, or we know that some, sometime in this show, Sam and Bucky get the shield. Now, how that happens, I think it's going to be interesting. Do they just straight up, like Bucky said in this episode, I was going to take it for him? Or does something happen to John and they take it? Like, what happens? How does... I don't think we're that lucky. Well, right. No, I don't think we are that lucky either. But I, it's going to be interesting to see how that transfer of the shield goes. And... <laughs> You know, we get Sam in this episode, and I, oh, I'm going to get your guys' thoughts on this too. He kind of admits that, you know, yeah, my bad. I probably should have kept the shield. Like, we kind of get his, not remorse, but like he him second-guessing himself about that. But then he also says in the same turn that, that you know, I would rather, he would rather you know burn it break it whatever he doesn't want the shield like he doesn't again he doesn't feel like he is worthy to be the next captain america and i like how bucky's like that's not the point of it the point is to be a symbol of hope it's not you don't have to be steve you know so I, you know it's gonna though, again those two i love sebastian stan and anthony Mackey. they're doing so good in this show and it's just amazing um So I want to throw it to Katie. I'll throw it to you first. I'll go, Christina. You know, what do we think about Sam and not wanting or kind of regretting and then coming back to this idea of, yeah, I, I probably messed up. I probably messed up. And that was my bad.
1: Yeah, you know, hearing him, I, I felt that the most, I think, when he was talking with Sharon, and I know we're jumping ahead, but um, talking with Sharon after they discovered that it was her in the bar, um, and then after she, you know, brought them into her home and, and in Madripoor, and he was wrestling with his his guilt shame whatever you call it regret yeah, right. for uh for for doing what he did but then also at the same time trying to she is in such a jaded place and such a place of I'm on the run I have no one in my corner I don't have the protection that the Avengers had you know I've been doing this on my own blah 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 which I think is really fun for her character I like her a little salty and a little, uh, a little jaded, but um, hearing him talk to her about, well, you know, they they let Bucky off and he killed everybody he ever met. So, of course, I'm going to be able to get you a pardon. Of course, I'm going to be able to get you back, you know, to see your family again and blah, blah, blah. And I I think there's such a uh, he's got such a loyalty, I guess, is the right word to the system. The, the, the things that are put in place that have given him privilege and have given him power and have elevated him to his heroic status, right? He, he's still got, even though he thinks that he's not worthy and he's not Steve and he's not Captain America, I think he still has that loyalty and respect for the system and he still has that trust in the system, you know, whether that's misplaced
0: trust I think we'll
1: eventually
0: find out. Which is very Steve, right? Like it's very Steve to, you know, believe, believe in your beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like that's, I think that's what Steve was. Yeah, he stuck to his morals and he stuck to, you know, like, yeah, I'm Captain America, but, you know. I don't agree with the, you know, Sokovia Accords. You know, I don't want to sign that. Like, I feel like that damages, you know, whatever. So, I mean, don't you kind of, I mean, Katie, would you agree with that? That's kind of where Sam is too. You know, that's where his thinking Uh is. Definitely, yeah. They're they're both cut from the same
1: cloth, even though Sam doesn't feel that way, um, and he doesn't have the benefit of the super serum or anything else. There's still there's that uh, that underlying loyalty, like I said, and, and and trust in the system and right winning out in the end. I, I think is a lot of of where it comes into play too. And you know, if we want to if we want to talk about John Walker again think about the way john walker is john he he is coming off to me as he is the system and he is the one that's going to make it work and make it you know you're you're going to listen to him because he's captain america you know it's not it's not that he's got this backup right he he is the guy and i think that that is where where he comes off so brash and you know steve bucky sam have that that layer of trust and morality that I think just makes them much more likable.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think it's more of their moral compass and what they, you know, what they know is right and wrong. I mean, Christina, what do you think? I mean, Sam, being that reluctant, you know, at first obviously doesn't want the shield, but now Kind of second guessing himself, you know, what, what did you think about all that?
2: Yeah, I think that what Sam didn't realize is the shield's just a symbol um, and that it's really, you know, the heart and soul of the person that is what makes the difference. And I think we see that same thing happening with John Walker, though. He's seeing that symbol as that shield as a symbol of power, not of, you know, the morals and ethics of a person and who they are. So, I think that's where our difference is. Um, where, you know, John Walker is out here flaunting it, throwing it in everyone's face, versus Sam, who's out here actually doing the behaviors. So, that's kind of our difference. Um, I think we also see Sam get out of his comfort zone a lot more. You know, he. We know he already joined up with Cap once against the Sokovia Accords and did all that. And, and Bucky references it like you've already put your you've already put it on the line once. I'm asking you to do it again. And so I think that Sam struggles to f- with that line that he doesn't want to cross, but once he can justify the why in his head, he's okay with it. And that's the difference. I mean, with Steve, Steve was never going to do wrong unless he could justify the why with himself. So kind of the same thing.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, the I love what kind of Anthony Mackey's doing with this character right now. It's really good. I mean, I think we're really getting, getting into a deeper like a deeper Sam storyline, which I love. Like, is I think is, is, is it's great. And I love, again, Sebastian Stan, working a lot with Bucky as well. And, you know, I love how he wants to not be the Winter Soldier, but he cannot shake it off, can he? Like, I mean, he fell right back into doing that routine real quick you know, when they're in Magiport, which let's start with Magipour itself, freaking awesome. Like I loved the vibe of that whole like city or whatever. Love the music that they played during it. Like it was really, really cool. Loved the like the neon colors and everything like that. I love the the aesthetics. It was great. I loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. But you know, yeah, I I mean as much as Bucky doesn't want to be or think that he isn't the Winter Soldier, it's hard for him to shake it off for sure. And I find that kind of storyline being interesting to where he fell right back into it easily, too. Like, I mean, he was kicking the crap out of those guys in that bar. And, you know, I love that little moment of Sam asking him, you know, You know, you okay? You're good. And he just kind of gave him like a big, like a very stern, like like head shake. Like, yeah, I'm good. And then they went, you know, to go see Selby. So, you know, Katie, your thoughts kind of on Bucky right now, where his head's at and where, you know, where we're going with him. Well, I will say when we meet Zemo or when Bucky meets Zemo. He wasted no time
1: trying those words. Right, he (laughs) didn't even say hello. He just straight on into it. Straight up, straight up went into it. (laughs) He Bucky didn't even flinch though. There was no reaction. He even came out and said, "Like that doesn't affect me anymore." Like, "Good try, my man. That's that's not going to get me anymore." Um, you know, and and but but you could see in other ways throughout the episode that Zemo was still trying to get in his head and still trying to get to him, you know, when he had his book and he asked him about the names. Um, and then of course, in the, in the, uh, in Madripoor, when he was saying you've got to become someone who you say doesn't exist anymore, you know, and he's just, you know, needling, just needling a little bit all throughout the episode. And I definitely think, um, I definitely think Zemo's got something else up his sleeve for sure. But I think Bucky, you know, everyone has been through it for the past five years. Right. And and Bucky is still he still got so much more work to do on himself. Court mandated work to do on himself. court mandated. Right. Yeah, and he had, you know, he's he's got his list, he's got his process, he's got his rules, and he's trying to balance that with, oh, but I still need to be a hero. Oh, but I still need to help Sam. Oh, but I still need to do this. And I think that that is interesting to watch him balance everything out because, you know, it, it was so cool. <laughs> The way he threw back to uh, Sam about you back Steve, you know, during the during the signing of the Sokovia Accords when he went against everything, you know, and and now I need you to back me. I need you know, we're we're all we're all cut from the same cloth is is kind of what I felt like he was saying without really saying it there. His journey has been one of such trauma. You know, I, I keep using that word, but. It really is. And watching him navigate his own personal stuff, in addition to all of the bigger stuff that's going on, of course, he's going to be conflicted. And of course, he's going to have to fall back on those skills that he has, because that's what makes him
0: a hero. Right, right. And you know, what's really funny is that, you know, in the previous epi- episode, he asked the, the doc, you know, what's the, you know, what is rule two? And she says, don't hurt anybody. And he didn't say anything, but then he just said, you know, goodbye. So it's like he almost knew what he was going to have to do because he knew Zemo was the next logical step for him and Sam to find out where the super soldiers, where the serum's coming from. So it was almost like he was telling himself like, all right, I, I... I'm going to have to break this rule. I'm going to have to do stuff that I'm not going to be proud of. I mean, Chrissy, kind of what are your thoughts on Bucky and his, you know, and what happened in this episode? Oh, Bucky. Um, Bucky had to
2: go back and do things he didn't want to do. Um, Zemo said right after he said the three words and it's translated to longing, rusted and 17. Zemo looked right at him and said something's still in there. And I think that was the very first mind game he started to try to play. Um, We don't see their whole conversation. We don't see how they come up with the escape plan and all of those things. But we see that happen and... And Sam's like, have you lost your mind? And Bucky said, well, he's crazy, but he has a code. And um, I think Bucky recognizes that. So that's him now. He has his own code now that he is living by. And it's not by words or things that someone can say to him. Um, I think that... Bucky did fall really back into Winter Soldier behavior very, very quickly and very easily. But you saw him snap out of it. Or so we think. Um, so we think. I think if we get him in a room with John Walker again, we may see the Winter Soldier. Yep. And not Bucky. Um, especially, Can we hope he, for that? I know. Especially <laughs> if John Walker comes at him like he did the chicken liver guy. Um, if he comes at him like that, Bucky's going to hurt him and we're not going to be
0: able to stop it. Um, I mean, even Sharon that- was just like you or what did what did she say to him or what did he say to her? when like- She referred to them as pet psychopaths. Yes. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> I wrote that down because I thought it was funny. So. Yeah, she put, like, yeah, pet psychopath.
0: Or when she brought him up, how's a new cap? When Bucky's like, yeah. don't get me started. Oh, my God. <laughs> like he that was like, hysterical. don't get me started.
2: <laughs> like, Never even, like, changed his expression, got off the couch. All he did was just mutter it. It was great.
0: Like, he was speaking for every single Marvel fan at that moment. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um,
2: but no, I think that we're going to see some changes in Bucky. I think he's going to, I think we can now officially assume that he is working his way through the list of rules and don't hurt anyone was rule two. And I'm pretty confident in a bar fight. He uh, broke that rule. Yeah. I watched him crush a guy's throat standing there. So I'm pretty
0: confident he broke that rule. Yeah. He a hundred percent broke that rule. <laughs> he's about to break all the rules for sure. You know, Zemo, we'll, we'll, let's start talking about him because, ooh, man, uh, I am impressed. Like, I liked him in Civil War. He was an interesting character. But now that he's in the, the show, he is definitely more intriguing because now we're getting a little more of his backstory. Like, all of a sudden, he's some rich guy that royal family got you know because of whatever happened to the country you know he's still from royalty but they don't rule the country anymore but like he's filthy rich which is crazy um which is very convenient <laughs> i think
2: especially <laughs> cuz didn't we think that he was not that way in civil war where his family like uh, the family background that didn't look like a wealthy
0: royal family what we saw no, in civil war was, right no
1: there was no inkling of that whatsoever
0: Right. So, I mean, again, very interesting. We're getting a little bit, you know, more in depth of what his background is. Um, we see him finding the the purple mask that goes with his, obviously, uh, comic book character. So that was very cool. He, and he obviously dons the, the mask uh, in the show. But his, you know, his kind of him trying to pull Bucky's strings you know, on one hand, and then Sam is on the other side of Bucky, like being the, the angel. So that's the, it's a very interesting dynamic of Sam and Zemo right now with regards to Bucky, which I love seeing, Uh you know, I think his motives seem right now that like he said in the show, he stopped the winter soldier program before and he doesn't want to, you know, let his, his, You know, business go and finish. He wants to finish the job. So on paper, in in theory, it sounds like he is on board with them. But obviously, like we've been talking about, he was trying to bait Bucky all episode with little things, you know, speaking to him in Russian in the bar, you know, uh, you know telling Zelby that he's going to, you know, give him to her with the information that she's going to give him and he'll give her all the words. So he, she, so she can control him. So it was very, very, you know, subtle, but you knew in the back of your mind as a fan, you're like, man, he's trying to, he's trying to hoodwink everybody, (laughs) like everybody. He is trying to act like he's on, you know, the team, but you know, In the episode, we see him, you know, we get to Madripoor. We know that that's where the serum is because that's who Selby tells him that Dr. Nagel is the one that is created the serum and we get his whole backstory, which is very interesting. And we'll talk about that um, in in a minute. But sticking with Zemo, you know, it's interesting that after they find Nagel and find his little laboratory, that, of course, Zemo, you know, after they get all the information they probably could from him he shot him like that and i kind of i'll be honest like i was like i'm kind of with zemo on that because it makes sense because if you don't he's gonna create more serum for the power broker who as we find out again the power broker is like in charge of Majibor, like is as zemo said the judge jury and executioner of this lawless you know uh state. So, you know, it's very interesting how again, Zemo is doing things his way, little by little with the help of Bucky and Sam and obviously Sharon Carter who we'll talk about in a, in a minute too, but uh Christina, I'm going to start with you first on this one, Zemo. Your thoughts first of all on his dancing moves because that was a thing <laughs> of beauty. And two, what do you think about his whole uh his whole character so far? I will admit that I rewatched
2: Zemo dancing no less than seven to 10 times each time I watched the episode and I've watched it more than once now where I've paused and rewound and found it to be some of the best dancing there's ever been in a Marvel movie or television show and
0: something that we all needed in the world. Um, There's a great real quick. There's a great Twitter account right now of, Zemo dancing I'll have to look out to all to look it up after uh, I'll throw it back to you, Chrissy. But there's a, there's a whole Twitter account of Zemo dancing and they have different music playing with it, it is the greatest thing ever on Twitter like I love it that's beautiful it's it's amazing I think
2: I think we needed it I think that it made us all appreciate Zemo a little bit more um I we know coming through the history with Zemo that we just thought he was someone essentially who lost his family had all these things happen right um now we find out he's loaded he's a baron and he's also got all these dark ties to the underworld. And, and when did he get those? Why were those necessary for what he wasn't originally doing and going for? And, and so I had to laugh, though, the first exchange right after he breaks out. And he tries to interrupt their conversation. <laughs> I laughed as hard. He was he so just polite went, about it. If <laughs> I he just may. Goes, if I may. And then they both yelled no. And he just goes, apologies. No. <laughs> he just like under his breath said apologies. And it made me laugh almost as much as his dance moves did. Um, but he knew all these weird things, right? And it's like, why does he know this? I also didn't realize that Zemo would be kind of a badass as much as he was yeah. all Yes, so yes. you know when they're dealing with bounty hunters um so i don't know i don't think we know what his his end game on this is we do we know what his code is we know he doesn't want this serum or these super soldiers out there so we already know that but i think there's more that we don't know um some kind of interested they they say sharon tells them to blend in and the first thing zemo does is hit the dance floor <laughs> not a good plan um but if you notice, Sam and Bucky didn't fit in either. They were just kind of walking around, looking all all weird compared to everyone else that was there. They definitely um, stood out, right? They definitely stood out. Yeah, I think it's a good thing that Sam and Bucky got Zemo out when they did, or Bucky got Zemo out because Chad Walker went looking for him. And I gotta say, I think that had he got to Zemo first, there would be a very, very different experience than what he's currently going through. Um, but I don't know what that would have been. Um, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what we get from Zemo. Is he actually going to end up being a good guy? I can't imagine. I feel like he's got to make that turn at some point, and it's going to happen
0: quickly. I actually think I have more questions about Sharon than I do Zemo, though. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Sharon in a minute. But Katie, your thoughts on Zemo, his character, his dancing moves, uh, all of it.
1: I love that Zemo was number two mock turtleneck in Bucky and the Mock (laughs) Turtleneck Gang. Love it. At the party. (laughs) (laughs) That was a fun. I love just Madhapur in general. I love Marvel when it's seedy. I wrote that down in my notes. Like, seedy Marvel just makes me so happy because you have this like very wholesome, colorful, funny, wonderful universe. And then when they go seedy, it just makes me so excited. And um, they're, they're seen in. At the party, reminded me a lot of the bar at um, in Busan, the club in uh, Black Panther. Oh yeah, which was a little, yeah, which yeah. Is a little bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> so that was that was what I immediately got from from that scene at Sharon's party. But Zemo, it, you know. When he and Bucky are having that first conversation after he tries the words and they fail and he says, well, there's still something in there. He tells Bucky that it was never personal and uh, that he was a means to an end. And then later, uh, when Bucky asks him what he's reading, he's reading Machiavelli, uh, which took me straight back to freshman year of college. I don't know if you guys ever had to read The Prince. Uh but I did and um, one of the a couple of the the main like uh, tenets of Machiavelli Machiavelli and his uh, school of thought is number one that it's better to be feared than loved as a leader and number two that it is okay to do unscrupulous things as long as your intentions are good like if you have a, a good endpoint, um, in mind that you can use whatever means necessary even if they're violent even if they're illegal whatever uh, to to get to that good end point and I think that kind of, that ties in to perhaps Zemo's long game I think it definitely ties into a lot of other characters long games too you know John Walker's being a little unscrupulous Carly is definitely being a little unscrupulous um so anyway, that, that stuck out when he said Machiavelli, that really stuck out to me. Um, and what is his long game though? Right. We, we're like, you guys have been saying, we're learning so much about his, his backstory that we didn't know and didn't expect, I think too. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm. I'm here for it. I'm I'm here for whatever they want to feed us in these last three episodes, which, by the way, oh, my gosh, we're halfway through. Right. That's <laughs> like, crazy
0: to think about. It's
1: insane. But I got to say, like, Daniel Bruhl is just so fun to watch as an actor, just his little twitches and his little facial movements and his little just his body language. Um he is so fun to watch and he's so fun to, to kind of put together with Sam and Bucky and have the three of them just play off of each other and needle at each other. And it, it's it's got to be a lot of fun on set for for those guys, too. Um, I'm enjoying watching him do his thing, even though don't really know what, what he's got up his sleeve. It's definitely something, but no telling.
0: Yeah, I mean he, he's a he he's a slick one, man. I mean that moment when they, you know, he they first get him out and they're in his garage, and Sam's like, "All right, you know, where do we start?" And just you see that just big smile on his face, like he was like, "All right, I'm about to do what I need to do," and like he was all for it. So yeah, Zemo as a character, I I am digging a lot. So I. You know, when he puts the mask on for that quick little time, that was cool. I mean, you saw how, you know, he was that ex, was it Zokovian or whatever military that we found out he was in Civil War. You know, you can see where that training obviously uh, didn't go away. And then obviously we saw that in his escape too. The guy can fight. He can, he can put up a fight. So it was cool to see. And I totally agree with you, Katie. Daniel Brule is so, he's so fun to watch in this show at Zemo. It's fantastic. Like, oh my God, those three are great on, on scene together. They have great chemistry. Like, you could just tell, like, it was just a really, really good pairing, a good trio of three guys that just are good at their craft and they're just really, just know how to, act in their characters like they just know they're just it's so fun to see let's move to my girl sharon carter because oh she came back she came back and she was a little edgy people and i'm digging edgy sharon because absolutely oh my god love it like you could tell she's been through some some stuff in the past few years now we don't know if she was dusted or not That hasn't been confirmed yet or not, but she's been through some stuff. I mean, she tells, you know, those three guys that she's literally been on the run since civil war. Because she had to give Sam's wings back so he could save, uh, Bucky's ass from Zemo's ass. Like, I love that whole (laughs) scene. So great. Yeah, it was so yeah.
1: good. It was so good. So And she dropped a she dropped the Stars and Stripes BS. Uh, a little bit later in the episode, too. I really like her jaded and angry. <laughs> it makes her it, to me, it makes her more interesting. Honestly,
2: Yeah,
0: she's definitely is jaded, which I love. Yeah, you do see yeah. that side of her where obviously before this, we saw her in Winter Soldier and Civil War. She's CIA, FBI. She's like this, you know, upstanding kind of, you know, government person. And now she is like, you know, holds real like art that's not fake like she's this whole like as she says hustler like and it's it's great to see i mean and boy can she fight oh my god her fight scenes were amazing i love to see her kicking butt like just straight off the bat like with no remorse so again that just shows how much we really don't know about her and shows how much you know there is to grow with this character so I, I and obviously we know that she doesn't go with the trio she does stay in magic which i i have a lot of questions and i'll throw them to you but i want to get your guys' thoughts first on sharon overall so christina sharon carter she's back she's edgy what's your thoughts
2: Um, I want to know what's happened that she was able to position herself into those, that spot that she's in. Um, I don't think that that's a place you just show up and say, oh, I do this now. Um, and so I'm kind of curious how she was able to do that. I think, do we know, is she the one who killed Selby? Is she the one who fired that shot? Yeah, I assume, I'm assuming so. I assumed it as well. I assume so. Me too. I assumed yes. Um, Sarah is clearly dense. I have that in my notes right there. Poor Sam. He was really trying to make it clear to her that it wasn't Turn your time. phone she off, she just, Sam. Come on. She just wasn't very intelligent in that. Um, I like that Sharon was able to somehow have a bunch of clothes for all of them. And that we got a good five minutes of Anthony Mackie with no shirt on. So that was really nice. Um, (laughs) But I think that Sharon is deeper than we think. I think that there's a lot more there. Um, I actually put and wrote down, is Sharon the power broker? Mm. Because she's a broker of fine arts and things. That's what she does in her gallery. Um, so she had someone who, you know, at first it seemed like she was the one that was running the streets essentially and living the secretive life. But then suddenly we see her get in the car where she clearly has someone working for her and she had made us feel like she was so alone and she had nothing going on yet. Someone picked her up in a car and took her away. So I think there's more there than we're ready for. Um. And that that whole thing that was intentional, I think she knew the minute they touched down that she didn't have to see them in the bar. She knew they were already there.
0: That's a really good point. That's a really good point. that's interesting that you brought that up because that was kind of going to be my question is, you know, is, is she the power broker? Number one, I don't think she is. But is she, my more immediate question is, is she working? For said power broker i think that's way more of a possibility than anything christina do you think that do you think it's more likely that she's working for the power broker
2: i don't know because this is marvel and crazy things happen um i i think that it lines up that she could be the power broker but yes, I think if she is not, then she is the power broker's right hand man. She if she is not the power broker herself, she knows who is and she is the boots on the ground,
0: essentially. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I would agree with that, Katie. So let's <laughs> Sharon Carter your thoughts. And then do you think I'll throw that question to you? <laughs> is she the power broker or is she working with the power broker? Because I think I, I am hundred percent on board with the idea that she's working for the power broker. Cause you don't have her skills. You don't go to Magipor without the power broker, knowing who you are, because clearly the power broker knows what is happening in Magipor at all times. I mean, I wrote down Magipor text messaging system is, amazing because everybody got the same text immediately when the
2: trio left. That's an annoying group chat, though. One person hits reply that that gets bad really fast.
1: Yeah, that's that's the remind hellscape is what that is. Uh, (laughs) And that's exactly. (laughs) Um, You know, I think Again, like Christina said, it's Marvel. We're along for the ride, but I do think, given her position, given that she lives in High Town and not slumming around in Low Town. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, and the you know the, the job that she has, has given herself has, uh, and the connections that she has, I think that speaks to, she probably has been around. She probably was one of the, the unsnapped or the, uh, the left behind, whatever you call, um, one of the OGs that didn't go away. Uh, I, I think that, you know, five years is enough time for her to be on the run, um, get somewhere, establish herself, you know, and of course get nice and jaded and bitter. Uh, we (laughs) I saw her as she's putting her hoodie she hears their names and she puts her hoodie up a little bit lower in the bar and I smacked my husband and said that's Sharon and I had to stop and explain who Sharon was but (laughs) uh she's been in the end credits and so we knew uh her picture at least has been in the end credits so we knew she was coming um and i think that she is definitely a big player perhaps more so on the light side than the dark side uh in madripoor yeah she's doing what she has to do to get by um Definitely could be a little bit of playing the field, playing both sides, uh, just doing what she has to to survive because she has no support from the CIA or the FBI or anyone, really, as she keeps reminding us uh, throughout the episode. So I think that we are going to see her again, even though we left her in Madripoor. I think that we'll see her again. So that'll be It'll be good to see where her story ends up, and if she gets that pardon and can kind of come back into the fold and come back into the universe um, on good terms and on her own terms too. You know, maybe she's liking being the the little underbelly badass that she's turned into.
0: She seems like she's digging it. I mean, I don't. I don't see. She's good at it. She's (laughs) very good at it. Yes, she's very good at it. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see because I do. And do see the idea of her knowing, either knowing who the power broker is because she works with them or just because of who she is, you know, that she, you know, she's ex-CIA, ex-FBI. I can see where she knows, you know, that information going into Madripoor maybe already. Who knows? Because it seems like Madripoor has been on that kind of vibe for a long time. I mean, I think Zemo and Bucky both kind of talk about it because obviously they've been there prior to this whole, you know, this whole incident and maybe prior to Thanos snap and everything. So Magipor wasn't just built in the past like five years or whatever. Right. It's been there. It's been there. They said I think even Bucky says it's been it was a an old pirate sanctuary back in the 1800s. So it's been there for a very long time and the law you know, it's still that lawless area that has been there since the eighteen hundreds. So, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see how her character is either again for the power broker, against the power broker. It's 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 fascinating because I do like the edginess like we're talking about. She is very jaded from what happened. I mean, even When Sam, you know, says that he, you know, he, he was on the run and her response was, is, was two different things. Because basically, obviously she's telling him, listen, you're, you're not on the run, but I am, I'm still on the run for what I did for you, for, for him to get a go, to go against him. Like, so, you know, there is that kind of maybe bitterness of her, like seeing these guys and realizing that. You know, they are free and clear, but she's not. She still has to, like she said in the show, she hasn't talked to her father or family since, you know, since she, since Civil War, since she gave, you know, Bucky, or yeah, since she gave Cap and the Falcon their stuff back, so it's interesting stuff. I love her character. I can't wait to see more of her. I'm so excited. I hope we do. I I think we'll get her back, don't you? I mean, pretty sure we'll get her back because I think I do think she'll get pardoned. I really do. I think she'll come back into the larger MCU arena and not just in this show she'll definitely come back into other shows or maybe other movies and everything like that um so i think the last thing i want to talk about is carly and the flag smashers so we're getting a little bit more of carly's backstory which is very interesting i mean we see her at the bedside of a uh, a dying a dying lady Who I believe, if I'm putting it, this is what I wrote down. I believe it was like maybe her adoptive mom, or like this orphan orphan home mom that her, and it seems like all the other flag smashers were at, and this is like the the woman that raised them, and you know, so you see where she's getting this idea of trying to make it better for people like herself and like the, her fellow flag smashers, you know, interesting that she was in, she was living in Magipore at a point because obviously we know her and that Dr. Nagel talked. They were both, he was very familiar with her and she was very familiar with him because she even hears that, he died in Madripoor and that now the power broker is basically going to come begging to her because they have the rest of the serum, which we find out she stole 20 vials of the serum. And we only counted eight flag smashers total minus the one that died in the previous episode. That have used it. So there are still twelve, we assume, unused serum bottles. Who knows? That's gonna be again interesting to see while we play it down the road. And also within that context, we get more of more Isaiah because Dr. Nagel talked about it how before he got dusted he was using the blood of a former super soldier Who we know was Isaiah. And again, that's big implications, huge down the road. I think we'll find out more with that. But I like how they kept that thread going a little bit through this episode. But, Christina, I'll start with you with Carly. Carly you know, again, I got to give it to her. I understand her stance, but she definitely kicked up the notch with blowing up the building and her telling that guy, her fellow flag smasher, like, you know, they only know the language of violence. Like, this is what people will listen to. So and he wasn't about that, which I found very interesting. But it's almost like everybody, I don't know if they're afraid of her or they just, you know, I think that's going to be interesting to find out why they see her as this leader. What did she do to get that status? So, Christy, go ahead. What your thoughts on Carly's?
2: Yeah, so I thought that um, we saw her, her change. We saw her evolve, um, I think, before she was there looking to, um, to help people and that she understood this is how she would be able to help people. But now she has found that she suffered a loss. And so now she is using that loss towards violence and saying, like you said, it's the only language they understand. And they took six months worth of supplies. And so they're sitting there Saying like, wow, six months worth of supplies are sitting in a storage house that we could use now But we need now. We've got people dying. And so she um, she's evolved already right in front of us. And she's itching for a fight. She wants that fight. She wants the power broker to call her. She thinks she's holding all the cards. And I, I don't think she is. Yeah, so I, she feels I like she is holding all the cards. She thinks yeah. she's she thinks that she's winning right now. Um and I, I think that's quite naive of her. But, you know, I wrote down here strengthen kids in camps that they were looking to help kids. So it makes me think that they were also, you know, like you said, they may have been in foster homes or things like that. And this is the person that raised them and, and they weren't able to help. Um, And so, yeah, I, I definitely think that we're seeing a shift in her from a person whose original plan and agenda was to do good to now she's out for revenge.
0: Yeah, definitely revenge based on grief, which obviously has been a huge kind of theme recently with Marvel, which is which is very cool. I I like them kinda of going in deeper with that type of storyline for some of their characters. Katie, I'll throw it to you, Carly. I mean, super interesting. She stepped it up. Like we were talking about blowing up buildings now, not just kind of stealing vaccines, being the Robin Hood as that one guy called them last episode. Now she feels like she is, you know, the person that can change everything, you know? I mean, is that how you're kind of seeing her now?
1: Yeah, for sure. She's definitely, um, she's definitely emboldened. I think, because she's holding all the vex- all the vials, right? She's holding all of the super serum. Um, one thing I wrote down, you know, calling back to what Christina said last episode, you know, that, that, that there was something that has triggered this emotional response for her. And I wrote it down in my notebook. Carly's emotions. Um, she, th- th- this is, like Christina said, this is what, where it was. It, it was all in her foster mom, surrogate mom, Mama Danya is what uh, what they called her, and what everyone yep. called her. Yep. Was that her foster mom before the snap? Was that her foster mom after the snap? And everyone she knew I got like snapped away. Yeah. You yeah. know, where where were these people bonded together? You know, these 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 teens, preteens, whatever, bonded together during those five years, and then all of a sudden everyone's back and everything's back to normal quote unquote and then they find themselves in a refugee camp where tuberculosis is running rampant and uh, that's what ended up killing her Um, that that you know, maybe we'll never have the answers to those questions. But like Christina said, this was definitely her, her turn, her heel turn moment. She went in there and blew up the beat up the GRC and then blew up the GRC um, because of their inaction. You know, they're, they're not moving fast. They're Team America World Police, but they're not moving fast enough. People are dying. Um, they're sitting on six months of supplies. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, very no remorse either. No remorse. Like she said, this is the only language these people understand. So she's gone full heel. Um, definitely throws a wrench in everything and definitely gives John Walker a little bit more ammo. Um in his pursuit of this this little girl that threw him off a truck and hurt his little feelings. (laughs)
0: Um, (laughs) Uh,
1: One thing that I also noticed while Carly was at Mama Dania's bedside um, and the camera like... (sighs) took it in for a moment and so I had to pause of course and like make sure that what I was seeing was right but she was it wasn't a hamsa was, she was holding a, a a little talisman that looked like a hamsa but it was something it was a little bit different um a hamsa is it's a hand and uh it's kind of a symbol of health and warding off the evil eye warding off um bad things bad vibes and uh it was interesting to me that a, the camera like zeroed in on that because symbols were such a thing, you know, they were talking about heroes on pedestals and cap shield as a symbol. Um, It it was interesting to me that the camera kind of zeroed in on that and, you know, that she still had this she was still holding on to this hope and she was still holding on to um, this very ancient symbol of of prosperity and health, Uh,
0: you know, and and she uses. I think I find it interesting mm -hmm. that she uses it as the flag smashers kind of symbol now. Right. Like the hand and the world and the globe. Right. Mm -hmm. You know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't a Hamsa, but it kind of called that into my brain. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that was hard, you know, and she's like, she's walking in, everybody knows who she is. She's saying, Hey, to other people who are there in that refugee camp, you know, saying hi to the little kid. And, um, she is, I think she's kind of stepping into mama Dunya's footsteps. Now she's got all these people who, were looking to her for answers how did she you know as this this young lady like how did she get into this position um yeah, it, there's so much with her, but definitely seeing the heel turn. Definitely, uh, she's going to start escalating. Flag smashers themselves are going to start escalating. Um, I, I feel like there's going to be even more of those little, like meetups in the <laughs> meetups in the square and, and diversions as um, as they get up to their activities. You know, maybe they're going to be even more brazen and
0: and even more violent in the episodes to come we'll see yeah no I think that makes sense because like you just said Katie they look up to her as this leader and if she's blowing up stuff then it's kind of everybody's like okay this is what Carly's doing then this is part of the cause this is what we should do to make you know to make our statement that we want everything to go back that there has to be change and everything like that um Yeah, again, good episode, good action... You know, little more details along the way that we're getting. We only have three more episodes, which is mind boggling. And then, of course, we get Wakanda's in the fold. We love to see it. Wakanda's in the fold. I loved that that was the ending of the show. You know, and I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right, but uh, is it Ayu, Ayu, who we see is from. Uh, winter uh, Civil War, with um, T'Challa and his crew. When Black Widow was talking to him, and she was about to fight Black Widow, and that's when T'Challa is like, "As much as I would like to see it," and he kind of told her to, you know, to move on. And then obviously she was in Black Panther and was part of the uh, King's Guards and those warriors, which were amazing. So. Again, interesting to see how this plays out, especially with Bucky, because obviously Bucky wasn't Wakanda, you know, kind of was getting maybe used to that environment those people getting used to the culture they called him the white wolf which he now kind of thinks of himself as so a lot of tie-ins for bucky specifically with wakanda and now obviously with them wanting zemo it's gonna be interesting to see how they react to to that so Chrissy, real quick wakanda is in the fold what do you think um, I'm worried for
2: Zemo. I think that they've already let villains slip away from them. They've had issues with that. I don't know how likely they are to let Zemo just drift away. I think Bucky's going to have to really campaign on Zemo's behalf or promise that they can have him when they're done with him. Um, and I think that, you know, we know Zemo's going to squirrel his way out of it most likely, but um, yeah, I think that it throws a big wrench into, into the plan and they're going to hate John Walker. So yep, I want to see a Wakanda John Walker
0: showdown. That would be amazing. I can't wait to see that. Uh, Katie, your thoughts? Wakanda. Obviously we'll we'll probably see more of them this next coming up episode, but ooh, interesting. Interesting that they're in the fold.
1: Yes, I was very excited to see Ao, Io, however you say her name definitely excited to see her show up. She's number two in command um, behind Okoye. So uh, she's, she's on the case. She, <laughs> uh, I too am very interested to see how Bucky will uh, use this information to shield Zemo until he can fulfill what they need him to fulfill.
0: Uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, he's going to have to explain like Chrissy said, explain in a really good way that Wakanda is going to be okay with it because they are not, obviously they are not fans of Zemo because Zemo was the one that killed the Chaka. So, and even Sam bring brought that up earlier in the, in the episode that, you know, do you think that the Wakandans are going to forget that? Let me tell you, no, they're not. So he even knows how dangerous this is now. So, Whew, a lot. A lot happened. A lot happened in those last kind of, I'd say, 15, 20 minutes of the show. Uh, a lot of a lot of information, a lot of, uh, you know, droplets of what's going to come, what's to come, and you know, all and everything like that. So uh, final thoughts, Chrissy episode. I'm ready for episode four. Um, I think this was our tie
2: things together, introduce the final players. Um For the remainder of the series Uh, yeah i i think that we're gonna have a couple big weeks i think we already talked about it i think these next three weeks are huge this was we've got the pieces in place and we talked about that about after episode one we have all these random pieces where are they going to tie together when are we going to see who we needed to see and now we've got that um and so i think we have a lot happen in the next couple weeks
0: yeah definitely katie your thoughts
1: Yeah, this was this was episode three, the exposition episode. Um, We, we, I think, see everybody on the board now except for perhaps the power broker, Um, you know, and how how are they all going to come together? What's going to happen? Are they are we going to have resolution at the end of these next three episodes? Maybe not. There might be a little That's bit a of a point. a little bit of something that gets resolved
0: elsewhere in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That would make sense. I, I could see that where it will wrap some things up, but some things aren't going to be totally wrapped up and will be a remaining thread throughout. the the MCU. So, oh, a lot of stuff, a lot of fun, a lot of good talk here. So, before we wrap it up, we have a ask the GBC question. We are starting to do this. This is our new segment. We will end each show with some uh, questions from you guys, the listeners. So, our first one comes from Mr. Chris Davis. And he says, which villain could be anyone do you identify with the most? Really fun question. Um, sticking with the MCU, I will say I kind of think Thanos wasn't too wrong in his way of thinking. Lauren. <laughs> Let me explain. Lauren, what's wrong with you? Let me explain. Okay. With this pandemic, okay, that we are in, I understand why and what he was talking about. Again, I don't condone, wow, his his way of doing it. I'm just saying resources do become limited, people. We have to treat... And he had access to a handful of stones. He could have just made more resources. I 100% agree. Again, he did it the wrong way. I'm just saying the idea of we have to rein it in a little bit because the resources are failing. I'm just saying I don't disagree with it. I'm not saying his method was correct. I'm just saying, Thanos, I kind of see where you're coming from. I don't agree, but I get your premise. I get your premise. Christina, what about you? What what villain do you identify with?
2: As an older sister, um, Hela in Ragnarok, I mean, she she went out there and conquered the world. And that her dad shoved her down to hell to burn um my father wouldn't do that to me but I'm just saying I don't relate on that level but you know I am an older sister so I get the fact that she went out there and she took all the the hits and then she's got these two doofuses that get to run the show after that um so I get it for her perspective but I love The thing I love about Marvel is every character could technically be a villain. Not Um, wrong. Even our heroes have their villain moments, and so I think that's the thing that I love the most. And. Everyone's doing it. Most of our villains, they're doing it for some type of retribution or revenge. If you look at Killmonger or you look at Obadiah um, or Whiplash, you're looking at them. They all had they were all wronged by the hero. They were all wronged by the heroes. And so that's why they're the villains is which it's just, it's crazy when you think about who we have. I mean, I don't really consider Bucky a villain. I know we try that for a hot second. I don't really consider Loki a villain either. He's a wannabe villain. Um, but you, the main ones that you think of, that's that's the thing. They're actually doing what they're doing because the heroes
0: wronged them. I mean, you're not wrong. That's an interesting take. I like it. I like it. I can, get, I, I can support that. Katie, who do you identify with villain wise? Can I have two? Absolutely. Because I you have got? two. <laughs> I can't pick.
1: Immediately sticking in the MCU, immediately who came to my mind was Dark Phoenix. Um, again, not necessarily a true villain, you know, but right, but right, right. she. Oh. She was born out of love right she was born out of love and sacrifice and i feel like i can relate to that um her her birth and rebirth you know the, the phoenix myth and legend um is something that has always kind of appealed to me because i'm the kind of person that if it's not working like just burn it all down and start to work <laughs>
0: um
1: so she and, and i love gift
0: with the fire behind it I,
1: I am. I definitely, that's definitely me. I've always loved her arc and her story. And again, her story of, of sacrifice. And once she realized that, oh I'm the bad guy I'm too powerful I need to just go away you know and then the, 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 that whole balance of, of immense power with this empathy and this 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 need to uh, be powerful but also be protective and be um, be loving uh, it, it definitely that definitely I definitely relate <laughs> Um My second one is in the Disney universe, and it is Teka from Moana. She is the lava monster. And spoiler alert, she is also Tefiti, the Mother Earth island. You know, she was just giving and giving and giving and trying to do her darndest for everybody. And (laughs) no one appreciated her. (laughs) Everyone wanted to just take, take, take. And finally Maui took too much when he took her heart. And she said, okay, fine. And shut down and said, okay, you guys figure it out because I'm mad and I'm going to turn into a level monster and I'll start burning the world down. So clearly I have a problem with, uh, with, with pyromania a little bit. Oh, um, <laughs> but that, those are my, those are my two. I mean, Tikka like just as a mom too, um, that whole dynamic really, really speaks to me how, you know, as moms, we can give and give and give and everyone just wants to take <laughs> yeah no until we tell them until we tell them to do it for themselves and then
0: they're like oh okay we need to we need to take care of you too a little bit right (laughs) i love it (laughs) i love it uh thanks chris for the question really fun question uh so we, Thank you, we will get more of those uh, next week for y'all as well. So that's it. That is our episode three of Falcon and the Winter Soldier wrap up. Uh, before we say goodbye, Christina, where can the good people follow you?
2: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at
0: a beautiful quest. Beautiful. Katie, where can all the good people follow you?
1: You can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Penguin
0: Katie, K-A-T-Y. Love it. All right. And you guys can follow me, Lauren, at Row Nose on Twitter instagram um if you guys want to follow please follow us on twitter at geek broads pod you will find all of our recent episodes and all of the recent stuff we are doing on there so go follow us again twitter at geek broads pod and until next time everybody stay your geeky self later Hi.